Hello. Hello. Welcome Pacer fans, you are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacer podcast, and this is episode 76, company from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This week, we're going in deep. We're talking malice in the palace, the brawl. Joining me are three analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First from the nation's capital... Washington, D.C. It's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacer fans? From Indianapolis, Indiana, it's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles, John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? It is Thirsty Thursday. Drink up. <laughs> Company from Seattle, Washington, out west, our enforcer, John Harper. What up, guys? It's hard to believe it's been 10 years since the brawl. Mm. Well, let's get into it. You know, I, I remember what I was doing that day. It was November 19th, 2004. So I was with Jason and John Colson uh, in Jason's apartment, watching the TV on the big screen, watching on the, the big screen TV. The projector. Yeah. The pro- I projected onto the wall. That's right. It was amazing. <laughs> that was awesome. I'm watching our Pacers deliver a uh, beatdown to the, the Detroit Pistons on their home floor. The Palace beginning to empty as it appears as though Detroit will lose on the home floor for the first time this year. Parker's pass into the post, stolen by Crozier, ahead to Tinsley, off to Jackson. Jackson's fouled, he'll shoot two with 57 and two tenths seconds to go. Billups collects his second. Turn out the lights, the party's over. This will improve the Pacers' record. On the road, slick to four and one, and perhaps more impressively than that, two of those wins have come in Minnesota and in Detroit. Who had beat us the year prior in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and they had yep. gone on to win the NBA title. So it was just really satisfying to beat the snot out of those guys. We had not finished beating the snot out of them. Free throws good. Jackson with thirteen. It's ninety-seven to eighty-two. Less than a minute to go. Parker into the front court for Detroit. On top of the right hand, goes left side high to Hamilton. They'll post Ben Wallace on Jackson, and Ben will take it in, drawing a two-shot trip with 45 and 9 10 seconds to go. And now, Ron Artest, Ben Wallace, and others getting locked up. A big brawl in front of the Indiana bench. Ben Wallace gave a hard foul to Ron Artest, which was, he was still in the game for unknown reasons. Go on, Ronnie. Artest wisely lays on the scorer's table and lays out of the conflict. And now Mike Brown is in front of Ben Wallace. Reggie Miller is in the mix. 
This is spilled over right in front of us, and I didn't see what started it, but it is a very spirit, a spirited brawl. Larry Brown is over on, Dad, to restrain his player, Ben Wallace, and our test continues to lay on the scorer's table, not getting involved at all. What do you guys remember from that? It was a little bit of a blur at the time. Well, as, as yeah. I remember it, you were falling asleep. <laughs> I was falling asleep. <laughs> but I distinctly remember... Okay, so there's... I think everybody knows the story, but we should recap. There's, uh, yeah, hard foul by Ben Wallace. Uh, some shoving goes on. I'd like to see the replay. I didn't see how it started. Well, well, you said you said that this is going to be the most heated rivalry. Well, this turns it into that. I'll guarantee you. Ben Wallace is still hot. Gar heard the former Pacer assistant restraining Wallace, who now throws a towel at Ron. No, Arnett. no, no. And now Ron wants a piece of Ben no, Wallace. No, no. Several Pacers are there to restrain him. Nothing happens, and Ron lays back down on the scorer's table. Well, the referees are going to look at the replay and sort it all out. Ron Artest takes a, a nap, a rest on the scorer's bench, and a moron from the crowd throws a beer at him, and Artest charges into the crowd, and the rest is sort of history. Well, we'll see how they hand out the justice here. The officials are Ron Garrison, Tim Donahue, and Tommy Nunez, Jr. In our Indianapolis studios, I'm Kevin Lee. Technical difficulties in Detroit. We'll get back to Market Slick in just a moment. But my guess is that this skirmish has spilled over, and as I watch on television, it has spilled over into the stands, and it is, that's the reason why Mark and Slick are off the air, because this is going on right near their broadcast position. I can see Rasheed Wallace into the stands. I can see Pacers players into the stands. And, and... A huge melee has erupted at the Palace of Auburn Hills, Michigan. And so what I remember is realizing as it happened that our title hopes just escaped from our grasp. I watched us go from being the best team in the NBA with a super-duper legit shot at winning the title to it just slipping away in a matter of five minutes. There have been portions of this skirmish that have been off of the television screen, and it is still going on as we speak. Our test we can see on the ESPN feed being restrained by a teammate. Steven Jackson has become embroiled in this. This is really ugly, and it's going to involve multiple suspensions because by this point, everyone has left the bench from both teams would be my guess. And I can see many that I know are not in the game that have left the bench. So that results in an automatic suspension. And as Ron Artest is being escorted from the court, in fact, I see a lot of players. I'll be surprised if this game is even allowed to continue. I don't, I don't really remember us saying much, you know, kind of just being struck by the whole thing. And then immediately after trying to, you know, find as much information as we could. And I don't know processing the uh, fallout. Yeah, I was living in Portland at the time. I was actually at work while this game was happening. And I, of course, always made them put our team on TV. It was nationally televised. And 
I just I just remember a lot of shock. Like when you see Ron Artest go up there, and all I could think was, "Oh my God, this is really really bad." Um, and then Steven Jackson comes in, and it starts to get real ugly real fast. And yeah, I mean, just shot. It was really hard to take it all in, uh, and it just devolved so quickly. Um, yeah. To the point where you know, five minutes into this, I'm just I'm I'm seriously worried about the Pacers getting out of there in one piece. Uh, there is a number. Uh, there's quite a bit of debris being pelted down onto the court, and this has become an embarrassment at this point. Uh, it, it appears, and, and it'll be nice to hear from Mark and Slick in a moment that they may call this game. I can see Larry Brown going to the public address system. Yeah, remember Larry Brown got on the uh, grabbed the mic. It's still during this, and and told everyone just to you know to stop to stop everything, stop throwing things, uh, just trying to uh, who's, who's the coach of the Pistons at the time, just trying to restore some sense of uh, you know some sort of sense of peace to the to the the building because there was a good chance that uh, you know some of these guys were not going to get out of there you know without. Pretty serious injuries. Yeah, there were, there were chairs flying around. And we can still see fans going at it against players. This has got to be the ugliest scene I have ever witnessed in an NBA game. As the Pacers were being escorted off the court, they had everything in the stands thrown on top of them, from beer to soda to popcorn. An incredibly embarrassing situation in Detroit. I have no idea how the league can deal with this. It was a really, just a scary moment as a fan of sport of any kind uh, to have those lines between athlete and spectator not blurred, but just disappear completely. Um, yeah, it was it was a wild night. And it took, yeah, a long time to figure out what that all meant. Well, we, Colson, you and I ended up staying up all night. Like, yeah. And just trying to piece it together and like constantly checking the internet to see if anybody had posted anything. I remember reading, uh, what was the guy, the old stars, um, Bob Kravitz. Bob Kravitz. We like, he posted something at like four o'clock in the morning and we're like, Oh shit, it's up, it's up, it's up. And we like right. read it and we're like trying to figure out how many games they would be suspended and all this stuff. And yeah, it's just bananas. Well, you know, I, I will uh, still always, uh, blame, Steven Jackson more than Ron Artest uh, because I felt like if he had gone up into the stands as a peacemaker and pulled Ron out mm. um, then it doesn't devolve into what it had devolved into instead Steven Jackson went up and started swinging on fans now you know in retrospect we've we, you know you, he's talked quite candidly about the fact that you know he was brought up to protect your family and his team was his family and he saw family in danger and he went to protect them All right. I'm not sure what's happening here. The clock still shows 45 and 9, 10 seconds. Both teams have been sent to their locker rooms. And Kevin described the situation very accurately. I'm not sure what started it either. I didn't see it, but it happened, or at least it unfolded, right in front of us. And it was starting to calm down, and then somebody from the stands threw some beer on Ron Artest, and he tried to go up into the stands. And uh, I believe he made it. I tried to tackle him, Kevin. And uh, that was not the brightest move I've ever made. Um, and, and it turned into this huge thing where half the team is in the stands. And then the, the, 
the fans start coming onto the court. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's there's a guy that almost died except that Jermaine O'Neal slipped on a piece of ice and didn't connect with his swing. Fully connect, I guess. Yeah, that dude's super duper lucky yeah. that his jaw is still connected. Mark, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. Uh, I assume that this melee went over you, and that's what happened. That's why we were technically knocked off the air, right? Yeah, that is what happened. When Ronnie tried to go up in the stands, I tried to grab him, and he flattened me. Oh, I guess I'm bleeding. Yeah, you got a little... You got a little cut, boy. It was right here. Well, you well, guys man. have been in the league a lot longer than I have, but this is the ugliest thing that I've ever seen. Yeah, that's, uh, it's disgraceful. And while players get involved in it, what, what really accelerated it was when the fans got involved. The fans, look at and, it, look at it, they threw beer all over me. And I would say this, if the NBA does not find the Detroit Pistons for crowd control, something's wrong. That's exactly right. You know, it's, it's nice to have, uh, fans that are, you know, really for you and everything, but these fans, especially these ones behind us, there were a lot of mean guys trying to get to our players, and, I, you know, I don't like this at all. But yeah, it was just very confusing. I mean, even the security that was there seemed to be less interested in really protecting our players than, you know, fighting our guys at some level. I don't know. It was, the, the whole thing was just really surreal. And guys, as I said, uh, the rules say that if you leave the bench area, if you weren't in the game, and, and from what happened, these would be automatic uh, suspensions. But I would hope that they would look at these extenuating circumstances because I really thought the Pacers tried to restrain themselves. This started when, uh, after a hard foul by Artest on Ben Wallace, Wallace gave a two-hand shove right at Artest's neck. Artest did not respond at all. And the Pacers did a nice job of containing everyone, well, but Ben and Rashid could not be contained. Well, Ronnie laid right down here in front of us up on the thing here. Ronnie was laying in front of Mark and I, right up here on the thing, trying to stay out of it. And these fans right behind us started throwing stuff, bottles, beer, everything else, coming out of stands. And Ronnie, you know, you had enough. The thing that really burned me was Artes goes into the crowd. He gets suspended for a year. And... Larry Bird puts his arm around him and says, we believe in this kid. Um, you know, it's a, it's a mistake he made, you know, but we're, he's the future of our franchise in a lot of ways. And then sort of four games or 10 games into the next season, he's <laughs> talking about taking a break to do his rap career, music, career, right. his music career going. And I just remember being so angry like, how could you do that? Yeah, that was real betrayal. Need a medic, hey, we need somebody over here. Man. Need a medic over okay. here. You know, I don't know what to say, except that uh, we're just going to have to wait and see how it's uh, been handled. Well, that's the first time you've been wounded in battle. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. And now, I, now I know how it feels to take a charge from Ron Artest, because when he tried to go up into the crowd, I tried to tackle him. They went right over us. Went right over the top of us. And, uh, ouch. <laughs> Every time that I wear this sport coat and pants here, I ended up getting stuff thrown all over me. Last year in the playoffs, it was dumping a cup of coffee on me. This year, it's throwing stuff out. This stuff is throwing stuff out of stands. The glasses and bottles laying around. Look at this. Look at this stuff. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, during the time, I was like, I. it was hard to fathom. I don't know. Nothing made sense at the time, you know. And uh, the the next days and weeks were just just glued to the TV and and reading as much as you could about what the fallout was going to be, 
you know what what the you know the the, the bans from the league. Uh, you know, of course, Ron Artest was suspended for the rest of the season, uh, including the playoffs. Uh, you know, uh, Jermaine O'Neal picked up a long suspension. So his was players. originally twenty five games, and then through arbitration, got it reduced to fifteen, I believe. Stephen Jackson uh, also missed a fair amount of games, but this this uh, this one night basically ended uh, the title shot for this Pacers team. Like this this not just that season, but just also uh, all the work they'd done over the previous several years to build this team was over tonight. It was gone. And uh, I am thinking, Kevin, that if you don't mind, I need to go to the locker room and uh, get some medical attention. Uh, I'm sure you can handle the post-game show for us. We'll take care of it. You guys take the rest of the night off, and if you get any further information, either just call us or, or pipe back in in some way and pass along the info as to anything else that's developing. We will do that. Okay. Thanks. And we'll continue with our post-game report. Again, the final tonight in Detroit. With a bizarre ending, the game stopped with uh, just under a minute to play. 97-82, the final. The Pacers win it. Stay with us. This is the Indiana Pacers Radio Network. Jermaine O'Neal had been a uh, top MVP candidate uh, the year before. Reggie Miller, I believe, after the brawl, decided that he was this was his last season, that he was going to retire. Um we we had all the pieces to to really make a run. I, I still believe that we would have won the title that year. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the real the, the saddest thing was this a, was our last and best chance to get Reggie his ring. Right. And I mean, just what a monumental <laughs> just shit the bed this was. I mean, not. I mean, you're right. Not only did we destroy our chance of winning a championship this year, but we just had to gut the team, right? I mean, this was five years. It's going to take us to recover from this, right? Yeah. So this this led to so many things. I mean, first, I think it led to for all of us for you know having to kind of defend our Pacers against what became sort of. Uh, national critique. I mean, I, I didn't the, the free art test signs. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, there was so much conversation about, um, you know, what our test going into the stands meant, and there was a, a view, a national view, maybe not just a media, but kind of everyone looking at the Pacers as thugs, and um, it eventually infected uh, our own fan base, uh, and they continued to get into some legal troubles. And you're right. Harper, we had to gut the team. That that moment though started this this night. You know, there were other things that ended up happening, but it was this night that started that perception. Because that first year, I thought that the fans really galvanized behind this team. It was a fun year to be a fan. You know, we had guys you've never heard of playing basketball and winning games. Oh, absolutely. That's it. we had uh, thirty different starting lineups that season. Due to all the suspensions and then injuries along the way, um, you know, we had a roster of, I think, 18 or 19 guys or something like that. Uh, just the best coaching job I've ever seen in the history of the NBA was by Rick yeah. Carlisle that season. That's right. Uh, 
to get that team not only to the playoffs, but they won. They won a series in the playoffs. That was crazy. Yeah, yeah there was no reason that should have happened. No. Yeah, I mean, Brenton Johnson started the game for us. Yeah. 20 different <laughs> guys were on the roster at some point throughout that season. Uh, John Edwards got to start that year. That was Showed the out. first game right after, right? Where we no, uh, the, no, the first game right after, uh, we only had six guys dressed because right. of the suspensions. So with six players available, uh, he played 15 minutes. I think it's a good time for a John Edwards update. Standing tall at seven feet, weighing in at a bruising 275 pounds, recent addition to the four-time reigning champions of the Belarus Premier League, BC Smoky Minsk, your former pacer, an honorary undebeatable, the White Tower, John Edwards. Um, so John Edwards, um, Joey's favorite pacer ever. <laughs> I liked him. Uh, that's, <laughs> um, his, uh, his career ended in uh, BC Smoky Mints, uh, as we discussed last season. Um, and I think, Jason, did we get, uh, we get a little update on him as far as uh, via LinkedIn? Well, according to Wikipedia, he has retired from basketball and is pursuing a career in uh, information technology. So do you think he was one of the guys that helped uh, land the uh, bot on the comet? Was that one of those one of those guys? Is that, is that I don't know that that has anything to do with information technology. But. Well, they use technology and they use information. <laughs> yeah, my John Edwards update is that John Edwards just landed something on a comet. So congratulations, John Edwards. The white towel, ladies and gentlemen, the white towel. So do you think, I guess in light of that, I had always attributed the brawl to the sort of decade-long, or I guess it wasn't a decade because we rebounded by a few years ago, but so it was a five- or six-year lull uh, in Pacers history. Uh, so it sounds like you guys are attributing that more to the brawl and to uh, sort of the repercussions of whatever player... Uh, to whatever double knuckleheadedness we had going on, as opposed to the retirement of Reggie Miller, right? Because you could argue that, you know, when you when it, your signature, the face of your franchise retires, you're going to go through a transitional period as well. Do you guys but think you, you can stra- draw a straight line from either of those things? I don't think so. I mean, even though Reggie was always going to be the figurehead while he was still playing. In many ways, Jermaine O'Neal was already yeah. It was his team. what our mm. team was built around. Uh, I think we learned a lot about what you can and can't do when you put a group of you know men in a locker room together, mm-hmm. which I think that we're still very aware of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as we learned that lesson as hard as you can learn it, I guess. But uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think that was just Reggie retiring. I get why he did it. There, you know, I think he recognized that he didn't have a chance. That we weren't going to get it turned around quick enough for him to have a legitimate chance at it again. 
Well, I forget. Did he announce his retirement before the season? Or it was mid-season? No, no, no it, it was, was mid-season. It was after the brawl. Yeah, yeah it was after the brawl. And there was talk of him briefly going to sign in with Boston uh, when they had their big three together. Mm. But obviously that never came to fruition. You also had Jermaine O'Neal uh, with a series of injuries, never really recovered. You know, I mean, I think that was also part of it. Ron Artest saying he wanted to go be a rap star and having to trade him away um, and, and getting 50 cents on the dollar also didn't help. I mean, there were tons of things that contributed to this. Tinsley ended up being basically a sociopath, and we just paid Banned him to stay home. Banned from the field house. Yeah, we paid him to stay home. Um, a lot of things happened that, you know, you probably couldn't replicate if you tried it. But um, And also, Jonathan Bender never panned out. I mean, we had a lot of busts that played into the rebuilding process. But basically, once you decide to blow up that team, nobody wants any of your knuckleheads. <laughs> so I think Donnie Walsh ultimately and Larry Bird do a great job of you know, sort of strategically moving these guys and getting the trade exceptions and the other things that we did. Um, but it was, a, man, it was an uphill climb, and it was hard to see the light at the end of that tunnel when we started out. Yeah, no, the move for uh, Troy Murphy and Mike Dunleavy um, – Getting rid of Steven Jackson and Al Harrington, I guess, in that move was 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 actually genius at the time. Um, you know, we were we needed a facelift, and so we got really goofy white dudes that like to shoot threes, and uh, you know, which which um, Indiana fans love goofy white dudes that shoot threes. So, um, but on a basketball talent level, that was again fifty cents on the dollar. You know, yeah. One of those is the starting. Uh, a starter on the Bulls right now. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It where's Troy Murphy though? He's pursuing uh, a career in information technology. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was uh, living in California at the time, and a lab mate of mine <clears throat> was so delighted that they finally that the Warriors had finally. Uh, traded Mike Dunleavy because he is a hated <laughs> individual there. <laughs> that she actually printed out the ESPN page and put it on my desk and like just started <laughs> cackling. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at it, I was like, "All right, cool, we got rid of Stephen Jackson. All right, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> I feel like Dunleavy burns bridges. Like the fans don't love him. It's not his fault. He, he was drafted number three by the Warriors, which was right, a stupid right. draft. Pick. He's not a number. He's not a franchise player. He never was going to be. But he came in with those expectations, and of course didn't live up to them. And so they hated him for it. But people kept throwing so much money at him. Yeah. Well, the Warriors, especially, yeah, yeah, and then Milwaukee, Indiana, Milwaukee. Yeah, we inherited. There was one. Contract. There was one really good year where Granger and he were lights out from behind the three-point arc. Dunleavy was playing two-guard, which made him, you know, really long and rangy. He was taller than everybody else, and the two of them were just a devastating wing offensively. Um, But outside of that, he was not even close to worth the money. I think losing Reggie Miller's leadership and then – the team actively gutting just uh, anyone associated with the brawl. You know, that just left a big hole. Several years of uh, uh, players that we, we didn't like. 
But and some of those guys, it took a while to move. You know, like Jermaine. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jamal Tinsley. Uh, it took forever to move that guy. We never moved him. We just paid him to stay home. He ended up playing in Utah later. Was that after his tra- his contract expired? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he signed with Utah after. Actually, maybe we were still paying him. I think when he was playing we, in Utah, did we ultimately cut him? And when they resigned him, we got some of that cap relief back. Yeah. You know, we also moved Jermaine O'Neal for uh, what ended up being the Roy Hibbert draft pick. So on some level, um, we were able to rebuild the team um, through some of that gutting process. I feel like uh, having to get rid of Rick Carlisle through that process hurt us, too, because I still think he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. So we brought in Jim O'Brien, and Jim O'Brien was just offensively minded. But through that process, we got Vogel because he was... uh, Jim O'Brien's, uh, you know, assistant coach. So there are some positives. We've we've turned it around. It was just like the Evan Turner trade. We got <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> Lavoy Allen out of that. So yeah, sure. So the brawl produced Roy Hibbert and Vogel somehow, and uh, the Evan Turner trade produces Lavoy Allen. It's the circle of life. <laughs> we are at Undebeatables. Facebook.com slash The Unbeatables. Website is TheUnbeatables.com. You can review us on Stitcher, and you can listen to us there as well. Just search for us and review us on iTunes. It really helps new fans find us. Thanks for everyone who's done that. Shirts are available still. I'm in the mood for a song. And for our once and always coach, Bobby Slick Leonard. Turn out the lights. The party's over. (laughs) Goodness.